It's an exhausting for you having to win games on the field against the most competitive, deepest kind of World Cup field the women's game has ever seen and fighting the grinding uphill complex battle for equality off it. I don't think we know any different. We've always had to play both parts. But I think that because of that, I will be more proud of the legacy I leave. Welcome to Men in Blazers American Legend Series, presented by Budweiser. Head of the Women's World Cup, we had the opportunity to travel to Santa Barbara, California, and sit down at their training camp with some of the most pivotal squad members of your defending champion United States team. We were able to listen to them, listen to them talk about their big dreams, grinding sacrifice, the life lessons that together make up their individual World Cup journeys. Our series began with a prequel of sorts. Last week's pod with 1999er pioneer Brianna Scurry. We continue now with the remarkable Alex Morgan, the face of the team, one of the greatest goal scorers this nation's ever produced. We also have coming up Crystal Dunn, the great Lindsay Horan, and Megan Rapino, all on deck. And more than ever, we ask you, if you like this series, please share it with your friends. It's so important to us that they can watch the Women's World Cup with a sense of the backstories of these athletes, the challenges they've met, the challenges they've overcome to get there. So here's Alex. To listen to her story is to be inspired, encouraged to dream, and be willing to take risks in pursuit of those dreams. It is a joy to sit here with one of America's all-time greatest natural-born goal scorers, a phenomenal athlete whose peerless athletic talents have empowered her to transcend sport, making her a cultural powerhouse on and off the field. I first met my guest ahead of the 2011 World Cup when she was an unknown, poised to make a seamless transition and become the face of the team. Since then, she's only gone and won more than 150 international caps, a World Cup, Olympic gold, league titles, the Champions League with Olympic Lyon, pretty much everything that can be won in the sport. The one Morgan who single-handedly counterbalanced the damage Piers has done to that surname. From the Orlando Pride and your defending champion US women's national team, oh, welcome. Alex Morgan. I don't even know how I'm supposed to react while you're talking about me like that. It's like, I'm not here, but I am. When I say all those things, is it lovely? You're like, say more, go on. Or is it like, did I win all of those I mean, titles? I never want to admit it, but of course I'm like, ah, oh, sounds great. You know, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> We've got work to do. We've got to go back to the beginning. Yeah. Growing up in Diamond Bar, California, now home to Snoop Dogg. What kind of a kid was young Alex Morgan? the most competitive kid ever. The youngest of three girls and always trying to compete with my sisters. I was on my sister's softball team when I was seven and she was 13 and I was playing up six years. Also, I was so keen on beating the boys and everything. Whenever we had like a race or like we played kickball, I like had to be number one. It didn't matter who I was playing against. As a kid, you're a multi-sport athlete, volleyball, softball, you ran track. You obviously played soccer, yeah. but you came of age thriving and sharpening a multitude of sports talents. Yeah, I loved all sports. I really want to encourage like young girls and boys to play as many sports as they possibly can. Being pushed into one sport by your parents or coaches at too young of an age is detrimental for 
their career and their passion. I felt like I was never pushed too much in a direction, but guided by my parents. And in that way, I just found my love for soccer and still have that love. Your parents, so devoted to your sports. My dad, he thought he was gonna have a son, which he didn't. We're three girls, he's the only guy, completely outnumbered in the family. But he was <laughs> convinced that if the third one, which was me, was a girl, he was gonna make a boy out of her, or so he said. So he put a lot of effort into me playing sports, and luckily he struck gold because I actually was so into it from a young age and he wanted me to play baseball, softball, but I was like, no dad, I like more of the physicality of soccer. And he was like, okay, he went to coaching classes, referee classes, picked up all my teammates across the city of Diamond Bar in order to have the team to practice. I love a story I read about your dad. He's a baseball guy. He didn't know the first thing about soccer, but when you told him I love the game, what did he do? He went out and brought a full-size net. Oh yeah, he bought a full-size net that he put up and it was almost like a challenge for him to put it up under five minutes. We would like time him. And then he would go out and play goalkeeper as I would shoot on goal. When I became 14 or 15, he couldn't be in goal anymore. The shots were a little too hard. Eventually, I think that I almost broke his hand and he had to step out, so I'm glad that he did. But oh, That sounds like a young Brad Guzan. Parents, <laughs> listen and learn, all in, supportive, but never overbearing. I just loved making my parents proud. That's what I feel like I bring it back to. You've said you were always a planner. You once said that when you were younger, you had a vision for how your life would play out. Quote, I wanted to be with someone for at least five years. I wanted to get married by the time I was 25 and have kids by the time I was 27. Did you have a soccer plan, Alex? <laughs> if so, what was it and at what age did you develop it? It's so weird because I don't think of myself as type A, like super organized, or whatever, but the more that you, Alex yeah, <laughs> the more you like describe me, I'm like, I oh, I am a little bold. crazy about that. My soccer plan was to make the World Cup team in 2011 that I had a dream from when I was a young girl. There was never a plan B, but I never felt like I necessarily was the best one in the country. I just felt like I was the one that was gonna like make it happen based on my mindset. I graduated college at UC Berkeley in three and a half years because I knew that the World Cup was the next year and that oh if I like God. didn't graduate, then I wouldn't ever be able to go back. I had to take summer school for two years in a row when I wasn't even on the national team yet. And then 2011 was with the team, was a professional for the first year. One of the most important strengths an elite athlete can have is mental toughness. You have it, tenacity. There's a statistic that kills me, Alex. Studies have shown that girls' confidence peaks at age nine and then drops up to 30% between yeah. the ages of nine and 13 and never recovers at exactly the time that boys' confidence starts to surge. I mean, confidence to sports, it's crucial. It's a great buttress for that, for all women. It can counter the trend, but it's not always easy to find or maintain. How do you do it? Having sports to rely on is so important because it's something that you could have like a team or sisterhood of people. Sports help me in like a way that school couldn't. But even in sports, especially when you're the new girl on a team, that can breed insecurities. Yeah. Have you experienced self-doubt? And what did you do with it? Absolutely. I feel like every woman experiences self-doubt but I think that I go back and like look at my successes I even like to watch like videos of highlight reels when I score goals you know that like helps get that confidence or boost back again but also I feel like I surround myself with people that are uplifting but also honest by the way to be candid 
when I feel insecure, I watch highlight reels of your goals and I feel better about myself Good. too. <laughs> it works for everyone. So Try great. it at home. You were so young when you made your international debut, 20 years of age. Stephen Gerrard once said that when he joined the England squad, he was so nervous of the likes of Alan Shearer and David Beckham that he stayed in his hotel room the whole time. You joined a group of similarly legendary women that yeah. you'd idolised as a kid and you had to compete with them. Mentally, what was that experience like? I think the difference was that, you know, Abby Wambach, when I initially came onto the team, she was so welcoming, opening, she wanted to instill confidence in me. And I think that that's so rare to find, especially with someone in the same position. I'm trying to like gain a starting spot. So for her to have that confidence in her teammates who are fighting for that same position was such a breath of fresh air and I have so much respect for her. 2011 World Cup, your goal scoring in the clutch showed that you belonged. The 2012 Olympics, you won gold, scoring an extra time winner against Canada in the semi-final at Old Trafford. And your life changed in the wake of that triumph in a large regard. Winning my first gold medal with the national team and playing such a big role in it for the first time, gaining a starting spot, that was a pivotal moment in my career. I was definitely one of the younger players and I was just trying to learn as much as I can, like a sponge from players like Abby Wambach, Christy Rampone, Shannon Box, Lauren Chaney, Lauren Holiday now. Players like that just really helped in my development with the team. It helped me understand that USA mentality and the passing of the torch from them after they did retire in 2015 World Cup. Now you've changed and you've experienced so much and become an iconic sporting figure. If you could go back in time to that 20-year-old Alex and give her one piece of advice, what would it be? I think the first thing that I would say is that you belong, so feel free to like fall and do everything like you can without failure in the back of your mind because my value as a person is like different than my value as a footballer. And I'm a human outside of football and it's important to like Realize that and understand that and just know that you can't base your value off of successes and failures in your job. That right there is life advice to live by. Despite all you've achieved, despite all you've won, which is everything, you talk freely, seriously, in the most focused way about improving my game, about your desire to become the world's best female footballer. It is very liberating to hear that even with all you've achieved, you still want to improve. Where, where does that come from? Well, I think that you have to think about someone in any job. The moment you feel content is the moment that you're missing out on an opportunity to get better. Not just for me as an athlete, but anyone. Why would you ever want to like feel content? You always want to get yourself uncomfortable. And for me, it's like wanting to improve. It's defying odds and knowing that at 29, I still have room to grow and I still haven't peaked in this moment. I don't feel like I'm the most talented player on the national team. I don't feel like I'm the most technical player, but I have goals that I set for myself that I like need to achieve. What do you think you still have to improve on? my shooting around like more of the 18 yard box, finding that one foot of space by pulling away from the defender to get my shot off and being more accurate and having power with that. My aerial presence could improve as well in front of goal. Alex's dad, if you're listening, it's time to reassemble the full-size goals. Yeah. It's nothing that he can't fix, but I know you're a Premier League fan. Are all the players that you study, are they women or are the male players too that you look at and learn from? Oh, I definitely think there's male players. Mo Salah, his movement is incredible. And I pride myself on movement and making sure I'm manipulating the back line. And so I love that his timing is 
impeccable. Luis Suarez, he isn't playing the Premier League anymore, but I feel like his transformation and growth from Liverpool to Barcelona was just incredible. And I feel like he went from a player that people didn't speak so positively of to a player that was one of the best in the world in front of goal. I appreciate his ability to never give up on the play. How close are you to being the best player in the world in your mind? I've always wanted to be the best version of myself, the best player that I could possibly be. And I feel like if that's the best in the world, then that's great. I am playing the best soccer that I have ever played. And I still think there's a little more room for growth in that. So my hope is that I'm able to show the best during the World Cup. With all of that competitive drive that you have, that incredible force that's surging inside of you, of which I have almost zero, is there a moment when you believe you will be satisfied? I think it's silly to feel completely satisfied. I always feel like there's more to give. So I think when I retire, I'll be able to take a break and step back. However, I feel like that's not going to be for quite a few years. Oh. You've won the World Cup now. How does it feel mentally different as we sit here now the pressure of emulating the 1999ers? That's off you. I think that I'm just in a different role with this team. I have a much greater leadership role and I just naturally am going into the World Cup with a little bit of a different mindset. Having conversations with younger players to remind them of the loss that we had in the Olympics and how that is not normal in this history of the national team. And like, we want to like remember that so we grow off of our failures and remember us like at the bottom and where we never want to be again. I think that could help like propel us to the top. So I think my mindset's a little bit different. The pressures are different. I know you're a big Game of Thrones fan, right? Huge. So yes. King Robert Baratheon. Oh, he once said, I swear to you, sitting on a throne is a thousand times harder than winning one. Do you feel that? <laughs> I love that I'm being compared to Game of Thrones right now. I love Game of Thrones. I don't know if I necessarily believe that in sports. I will say with the U.S. Women's National Team, we have had a great success story in the history of this program. And I do see us as pioneers for other women's national teams around the world and I hope that we have continued to elevate the game both on and off the field. There is a lot of pressure that comes along with that to continue to edge the game along and as the gap lessens continue to like stay ahead of the curve. And the stakes as you say couldn't be higher in terms of the fight to grow women's soccer and women's sports of all kinds here in America. Does that add extra layers of pressure or extra layers of motivation? I think a little bit of both, yeah. It's definite motivation because we want to be able to continue to have like a platform to use our voice and to raise like important issues, but we're not gonna be able to do that without continuing to dominate on the field. And the winning is critical, but here's what I want to understand, because when I speak to the 1999ers, many of them say they thought that they climbed the peak when they won, that dizzying, remarkable moment but all they realized were that there were so many more mountains left to climb. I mean, you won the World Cup in 2015, an electric moment. But the league, the women's league, the club league here, still fighting for traction. Yeah. What is gonna put women's soccer over the top here? I think it's growing and I think that it's on this upward trend and I love seeing the growth of it globally as well. I think leagues around the world are continuing to do better. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it's so incredible. So I think we're on this upward trend, but 
I think that the investment is a huge piece. Sponsors and federations around the world like invest in their women's program and like investing in the youth as well is huge. Is it exhausting for you having to win games on the field against the most competitive, deepest kind of World Cup field the women's game has ever seen and fighting the grinding uphill complex battle for equality off it? I don't think we know any different. We've always had to play both parts. But I think that because of that, I will be more proud of the legacy I leave. I mean, you've said this isn't just about us. It's about women in all industries, women fighting for equality every single day. You've said our hope is that we not only set up ourselves, but we set up the next generation as well. That you, Alex Morgan, had the dream to play soccer, make it the highest level. But you said when you retire and you're older, you want to look back at that legacy that you'll leave and feel proud of it. Absolutely. That's where you are mentally right now. Yeah, I mean, part of me is like, I need to do my job on the field. And that's the most important thing. But there's another part of me that has like a responsibility to be like a role model for young girls and then give that advice to my peers as well. And then also like learn so I can like use my platform for good as well. So are there elements of sport, ultimately, when you think about legacy that are more important than winning? I recently asked Jurgen Klopp and he said, yes, there are more important things than winning. What do you say, Alex Morgan? Winning is like, it's what drives me, getting that feeling at the top. But there's also so many things within team sports and soccer specifically that are so important. I mean, these girls that I play with are like my sisters and I feel like I gain friendships from them that will last way further than my career as a footballer. So there's certain things that will override my play on the team and the winning and the successes that we had. Alex Morgan, I'm gonna ask you to imagine two things. If you can describe to me a person who, to be quite honest, finds it quite hard to experience any emotions whatsoever. If you can describe to me what that feels like, winning the World Cup. I think there's so many emotions that go through my mind. There's just that feeling of like relief. Then there's that feeling of euphoria. Then there's that feeling of camaraderie with your teammates. Then there's that feeling of soaking in the fans and your family that have supported you. And then there's that feeling of awkwardness because you actually realize how many people are watching you because you never realize it before when you're playing. So there's a lot of emotions that go into it. Imagine now how you'd feel if this happened. The US women's national team achieve equality. Mm -hmm. How would that feel? That's what the fight is every single day. And my hope is that like, if that happens or when that happens, because I'm very optimistic and I think it will, not necessarily maybe in my career, but I believe that, that we're on the upward trend of it. My hope is that that continues to like inspire and rally women in their industries of work to fight for that. You know, equality is coming, but it's slow progress sometimes slower than we'd like. Would that ultimately be better than a World Cup win? I think when I look back on my life and the culture in the U.S. way down the road, yes, I think that that is the most important. Oh, America. Alex Morgan, I'm going to finish with a toast. I raise my bud to you, Alex Morgan. You have thrilled a nation, <laughs> experienced unprecedented glory, and won in a style that's inspired millions of young Americans, both girls and boys, to pick up a ball and believe they can follow in your lead. To more, to never being satisfied, to always hungering to improve, to American glory. Courage. I like this. <laughs> what a lesson. Oh, and if you actually want to see 
some of that listen. Video clips of this interview and all of our American Legend series are dropping on our social media channels and meninblazers.com in the lead up to the World Cup. My Lord, we cannot wait for that. We want to thank Budweiser, we really do, for making all of this possible. And in the immortal words of Surrey and Dark, go, go, USA.